They were okay. They wouldn't be here. <laughs> so no, we're not okay. <laughs> Thank you all for showing up. Happy that you're here, and I'm sure you'll be happy that you're here as well. You know, it's going to be an amazing night. It always is when Paul's in town. <coughs> <laughs> I'm not just so sure of that. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, to be revealed. Yeah, yes, it will be revealed. I want to let everybody know that there. this is by donation. There is a donation basket um, at the back table. So if you feel like making an offering, I'll remind you at the end of the night, too. Okay? Enjoy. Namaste. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, the approach that I was in was that there was something uncomfortable about me, and that if I did enough and had enough, I would arrive and be sort of a better me. Yeah. This isn't in that direction. This is a different direction. It's questioning that me. Yeah. If you're not that me, that's not traveling well, you may find that you're traveling well. Yes. So the whole point, what is that me, if you look at it? You know, the sense of a me is a sense of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Yeah? That sense of being a self. But the me is trippy because there's the you, the body, yeah? and everyone is experiencing, in their experience of the I, they're seeing this you. Yeah? You name it you, but it's just this thing, this body. And everyone in this room is having the same basic raw experience. The I, let's say spirit or consciousness, is seeing this thing that we call a you. If we have 30 people here, that's their experience. If it's 8,000 people, the same experience. Not once are you going to see me as a me. Yeah? Not once. You'll be super clear. No matter what you may be unclear about, you'll be very clear that I'm a you in your experience. And then from here, the eye sees you. Yes? So here's an eye seeing a you, and then the eye seeing a you. And no matter how many yous there, there are that are translating the eye and seeing me, I always have a point where I beg to differ with them, and I say, I'm sorry, it's me. Yeah? And I spent like two years in a drug and alcohol program when I was younger. And when I left that program, my life looked better with than it ever did with me running it, yes? And the thing is, because they never saw me as a me, they saw me exactly what I was, which was a drunk and a junkie, yeah? While they were seeing that and giving me the suggestion that needed, there was always this me arising, thinking I was very terminally unique and very different, and this cannot apply to me, yes? But in fact, it worked better than anything that me ever came up with. So this me, I would say, is that act of selfing. This act of selfing is a mental process. Yeah. A mental process is doing it. When you're a baby, they say that the sense of self doesn't seem to arise to about 18 months. And it usually correlates when the language center arises. Yeah. The language, obviously, is what reinforces the sense of being you because it's, an, it's a subjective language used by objects. Yeah. This is an object using a subjective language to describe what's happening. Yeah. So when it describes what's happening, it's always describing what's happening to it. Yeah? So it becomes a subject, but in fact it's an object. Yeah? So here's the mental process. It produces, it, is, it's, it 
it produces a marriage of the physical with the spiritual, let's say, or the consciousness, and it calls it me. Now, the raw data of life, which is conscious contact, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and then the mind sees thoughts, like the eye would see a bird fly by. That, to me, is the raw data. Consciousness is in contact. But the mental process arises in that contact and then claims to be the one who's conscious. Yes? It sort of usurps the subjectivity and subjectifies it into the body. Yeah? And then from that point on, you become the Alpha and the Omega. And I would say that's the source of the irritability, restlessness, and discontent that's constantly driving us to seek relief. Yeah? For me, it's the original addiction, the mind addicted to the idea of being a self. And that, I, that addiction of the mind, the selfing can never complete that desire because it can't be a thing. Yeah? It's already part of or inherently no-thingness. Yeah? So no matter how much the mental process thinks it's someone, no matter how the mental process thinks it wants to become unsome, unbecome something it thinks it is, yes? All those movements, the dualistic movements of becoming and unbecoming, it can never complete its mission. So if you've ever seen a desire that's unfulfilled and yet it's still a desire, that's called an obsession and an addiction. Yeah? So I would say the mental process is producing an addiction to this idea of being a self. And then to need, when you don't have that relief because it can never be fulfilled, you will never become a self. Yeah? Therefore, that irritability demands relief. So now you get addicted to other things. The mind, so you see, if it's alcohol or drugs, maybe that will stop through a program. Then it's pornography, then it's shopping, then it's this, then it's that. Yeah? It keeps on keeping on. And there's not a point, not one point, that you're going to find rest in the addiction. Yeah? It's not like when I used to shoot coke. It's not, a, it's not like at one point I shot coke and then I just said, I'm fulfilled. <laughs> I reached cocaine satori. I never knew needed another shot of coke again. No. Every shot demanded another shot quicker than the shot before. First shot, you maybe enjoy it ten minutes. Next shot, eight minutes, five minutes. And it just goes on and 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 on. And the self thing goes on and on and on and on. Finite, but it's as long as you are here in the body. Yeah? It is finite, but it's going to end when the body ends, because it's the brain producing it. Yeah? So this sense of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, when my mind becomes identified as that, it forgets its real nature. So like Buddha said, when you see, see. Yeah? When you hear, hear. When you feel, feel. When you taste, taste. When you touch, touch. Yes? That's the conscious contact. That's a pure reflection of what's happening. What happens with the mental process, it interprets that and it says I'm the seer and the emphasis is on the seer and the scene, isn't it? The sensing of the scene gets dissipated and then the emphasis goes on the seer and the scene the hearer and the heard Yes, it's just a simple shift of emphasis that's all it is your attention and interest is on a thing Yeah, it's wedded to the idea because the mind is presenting it to be you so wherever the mind fixates on you, which is somewhere else at some other time, your attention will follow those thoughts. They'll keep you up at night. There'll be no rest for it. They talk about the working mind where it has a job and it does it, and then when it does it, it's over, yeah? The working mind recedes. But the mental, the selfing mind, is constantly at that task, but of course it can never be completed. 
It can never complete the mission. So it's selfing and selfing and selfing and selfing and selfing. That's what's keeping you up to in the morning. You have 70,000 thoughts a day, supposedly. 70,000 thoughts a day. Now, I'm, I'm a house painter, so for me to do my job, I need maybe 14 thoughts, basically. You know? <laughs> I don't need that many thoughts. I'm never surprised. There's usually a ceiling and walls when I walk in. And I know, you know, put the paint there, get the brush out. And you know, now, what are the other thoughts doing all day? <laughs> what are they doing? I would say they're reinforcing the idea of being a self. And how does that reinforcement occur? The difference between, you can put a word up here, money, and then you put health here, and you put relationships here. And everyone would look at those words and they would base their feeling based on how they thought they were doing, yes? Money, health, relationships. Now just add one word, and I bet you it gets a lot heavier. My money. My health. My relationships. Yes? That's the difference between traveling lighter and traveling heavy, the mind. The move, first movement of selfing is to claim. That's what it does. So a problem isn't a problem, it's your problem. Yeah? Thoughts aren't thoughts, they're your thoughts. Feelings aren't just feelings, they're your feelings. Time isn't just time, it's your time. Yeah? And as soon as that bridge of mind connects to that thing, that idea, yes, that philosophy, whatever you want to call it, it could be anything, as soon as that bridge of mind connects to it, what gives that all the meaning it has is the conditionality of selfing. Yes? Because like if you've ever been introduced to the Course in Miracles, Mm -hmm. there's a lesson, lesson two. If you read the first seven lessons, it's very interesting. It explains the perceptual axiom here. But one of the aspects of it is lesson two where it says, you and I give everything all the meaning it has. That's what's happening here. That's called the subjectified experience, yes? So you and I are giving it all the meaning it has. Now, where is that meaning coming from? For many of us, it's coming from a system of thought and interpretation called self-centeredness, yeah? It piggybacks on the scene, which is, I would say, the awareness or the consciousness, but it bastardizes it and turns it into a form of looking called self-centeredness, which is inherently blind to the scene. So while you're looking ardently for the seeing, you'll never freaking see it. But when there's a realization, you're not the looker of that seeing. So the approach isn't, I'm going to get somewhere and become that. The the approach is looking back and see if you are that. If you're not that, you may be there already where you want to get to. And then you'll see what happens. Because the form of knowledge that you'll access won't be knowing, but it will be finding out. Because your mind will be in the state, like they say in Zen, a very high form of mind is, I don't know, the I don't know mind. But in that I don't know mind, the way you learn is to find out, which is much more convincing than knowing. Yeah, It's sort of like an unspoken yes. It's, a, it's, it's, it's solid, and it's, and it's reliable. Yeah? And it actually, when it touches upon an absolute, it becomes an absolute to you. You see it. Yeah? Yeah. So then, if the my is, is taken away, and it's funny because, let's say if someone came here tonight and was talking about, uh, from the idea that they're doing everything, 
that they uh, they have to rush home because they forgot to digest that burrito from last night. Yes, right. I left a note and I forgot. You know, I got sorry. I'll be back in about. This is a big one, a grande. Go back, you know, and, and digest the food. Everyone laughs. Yeah, but we still we believe in we're the thinker of a much subtler activity of the body, which is thinking. Yeah, and we hold it as the thinker. Or that we're the object of the thoughts. You don't see the bondage of self? The bondage of self isn't something that happened once. It's an application all day. The glue is the thought, the narrative up there. The K-Paul, all that yapping going on is what applies the glue so that the mind gets bonded to an idea that it's a thing. Yeah. And then what's really a drag is when it's bonded to the idea of being a thing and now it wants to become a no thing. <laughs> Good luck. disappearing, but I want to be there when it happens. <laughs> and I'm willing to hold out for a long time. I'm going to be there when it gets good. <laughs> but you see, it's correlated in duality in a way. Your presence means that seems to be absence. Your absence means that's present. It's not that it wasn't present, but it appears to be present to you. And that's really... It doesn't matter if it's absolutely there or not. If it's not appearing to be absolutely there, it doesn't serve, yes? You're not going to be traveling lighter. And the whole point of this message is, in a way, is its applicability where the rubber meets the road. This isn't about awakening or enlightenment. It's about traveling lighter. And you may see, when you start traveling lighter, you'll lose interest in all those ideas you have about awakening enlightenment because you may have you may have ju- misjudged what was needed maybe it's just a sense of freaking contentment yeah maybe it's a saying that no matter what the terrain of your life is you travel lighter over it maybe that's more than enough yes maybe the dogs can be called off after that that's what happened with me I have a I'll share an experience I remember I was uh Seeking, you know, looking for making myself better, and I heard about this Native American Indian sweat in this in this mountain in California called uh, Mount Shasta. It's sort of a very trippy mountain, and uh, I decided to go. And when I got there, there was a lot of people there, and this was like a one-time, a one, a yearly event where all the people that were into this show up from everywhere, and they had the Native American Indian, and he built these huge things, and so I'd never been in a situation like that, so they, they built it, and I got in, and when the flat was open, people were holding the rafters like a subway, and then when the flat went down, I didn't know what happened, I didn't know they sat down, so I was standing there, and the heat rises, you know, and I, when I wanted to sit down, which is very quickly, when they start throwing that water on the rocks, someone was in my place, I couldn't sit down, and I burnt my inside, my arms, and my ears, and my nostrils, yeah? And I, as soon as they opened the flap, I ran out, and I jumped in that water, and then I went back in. 
Yeah, and did it again. I mean, you're like this, and you can feel. I said, please, Indian, don't no more water. You feel this wave hit you, just how heat. And I was just, oh, I was like hell, you know. Now something happened to my mind after that. Not that time, but down the road. And then a guy I knew was going to have a sweat in this house up north from where I was, and he wanted me to come. Yeah. yeah. So they got this Indian from Oklahoma, but there's only only about nine guys, and they built the natural thing. And so they started it, and I walked in. As soon as I sat in there, I had a realization: Hey, this is hot! And I got right up and walked down. Yeah. What was different? Immediate recognition of the discomfort, and I walked down. And I could hear them moaning and praying, and I had all the soda and the food outside. <laughs> it was a beautiful starlit night, and I was just drinking, hanging out. You know what was the difference back then? I thought I was going to get something from all that suffering, all that purifying, whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> then something happened, and I didn't have that anymore. And I could see red as red. Hey, it's hot. I'm leaving. <laughs> this is what it's like, really. There's not much confusion in it. Red is red and blue is blue, yes? But how do you know you didn't have to go through that purifying process? I don't know, but I'm happy I don't have to go through it again. <laughs> but if you want to hold your questions at the end... And no, 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 you didn't know. And if you, if you have a feeling of acceptance or rejection, just do it silently. Yeah. <laughs> I learned that just before I came here. Well, it gave me that because I sometimes it gets unruly, you know, when you have these meetings. So. so, yeah, I was just trying to use this. This is another one. Like when I was a kid, I was 12, and I would go to this mall in Long Island, Roosevelt Mall. Yeah, and I would dress up thinking I want to look cool and meet girls. And I had these red corduroys and I had this gray long sleeve shirt. I thought I looked really good. And I'd go to the mall and a lot of people were looking at me, you know. So I was thinking this is working. And every weekend I'd wear the same outfit and go to the mall. And I did it for about three months. And then a friend of mine had some compassion for me and says, you know, Paul, that shirt that you wear? I said, yeah, I says, it's pink. I said, what? And he says, yeah, those red pants, you think? They're magenta. Yeah? As soon as he told me they were pink and magenta, I never saw them as gray and red again. Yeah? Never. I never mistook that pink shirt to be gray ever again. That's what the message is like. In a way. The mind, have faith in mind. And let the mind unfurl the flag. You don't need to help it, Yeah? Just hear the information, let it go in there, and find out what happens with it. There's an old, very old Zen thing called faith mind, and I think that's what he's implying by the whole talk when he does it. It's the whole thing. The mind knows. It's beyond knowing. It is. And in the sense of isness or being, it is complete in and of itself. It's not here to achieve anything. It's not here to culminate anything. It's not here to meet a climax. It, the best of it is being here is expressing. Yeah? The selfing is an incomplete system. It's trying to find completion here. It's trying to find a climax here. It's trying to find the crescendo here. Yet it can never get to the crescendo where it becomes a self. Yeah? It's constantly frustrated, like those hungry ghosts that have a big belly and a little mouth. They can never get enough. They're never going to be satisfied. This is never going to be satisfied. It's not about that thing turning off. It's about a shift from listening to it to hearing it. It's like the difference between heaven and earth. 
listening to it and hearing it. Yeah. You're conscious. You're going to see, you're going to be conscious of what's happening and mental processes are happening. Yeah. But why do the mental processes, when we receive them in ignorance, we take the verb to imply a noun? Yeah. It's like this. You have a bottle here. This is a bottle. But what the mind does with it, yes? It's my bottle. It's used to point to the owner, the phantom, the someone, yes? Problems, my problem. So the problems all reflect the sense of being a you there, yeah? All the thoughts hold as yours, you are used to reflect the you. All day. It's a daily application of the bondage. It has to be because it's not so. It can only, its whole drive is to have it appear to be so to you. Yeah? It's like false evidence appearing real, like this, like an acronym for fear. The false evidence to appear real needs a you. Yeah? If the you isn't there, the false evidence will be seen as false evidence. It will never manifest into fear. It needs the completion of the one who's going to have it. Yeah? It's just a suggestion. It's just a take. It's just an interpretation. But the sense of being the interpreter brings it to life. Then you feel it, don't you? Then the anxiety contracts you. And that makes you more of a someone. A fearful someone. And on and on and on and on it goes. And if, it's a, if it has a parasitical, parasitical nature, you're not going to soothe it into being nice. You're not going to therapize it. It's not going to lose its stripes. Yeah? It's if, when it gets a chance, it's going to bite you. And when you go, why did you do that, Mr. Snake? It will look at you, hey, I'm a snake, bro. That's my nature. Yeah. See it. If something is claiming something else, that would be sort of like a parasitical movement. Yeah. If something that doesn't seem to have a life has one through this opportunity, that would be a parasitical nature. Yes. This is just simple recognition. You've gotten your ass kicked enough, haven't you? There's enough evidence there. It's just who's putting it together. If it's the you, it becomes a story to embellish that. If it's the seeing, it becomes a realization of immunity to it. Yeah. It's like faith. Every you know, faith is just a quality of mind. Yeah. Everyone in this room has tons of faith. Faith manifests in this place through the vehicle you put in. Yeah? If you put it in a failed thought system, that faith is going to produce anxiety. Yeah? It's going to produce anxiety. You're going to take so seriously the thoughts about what's not happening, they'll have an effect as if they are happening. Yeah? It's not the thoughts. It's not the movie. It's the audience. Yeah? It's not the selfing. It's actually pretty shitty. It's very boring. It's the same old, same old. But if the audience is in rapt attention to it, it seems like an, like gone with the wind. Yes, it's an incredible. Yeah? It's not the movie. It's not the thoughts. It's the mind. It's not a feeling. It's the mind. It's the interpretation of the conscious contact into a story. Yeah. But the mental process can never perceive what's seeing it. Never. The mental process, no matter how it presents itself to be the historical one who is doing the seeing, hearing, feeling, can never get behind the camera. It's appearing in front of the camera. It is of content. It is of thingness. Whatever can be perceived 
cannot be perceiving. So here, with that knowledge, every moment, and this idea of trying to get into the moment more than you're in, give me a freaking break. You get the first book, you know, how to get into the moment. Then the second edition, how to really get into the moment. Then the third super special edition, how to really, to really get into the moment. You can't be out of a moment. There ain't a moment without you. Yeah? Why do you want to try so hard to get into something you can't be out of? And why do you want to get out of something you can't be in? You cannot be in a self. It's just an appearance of being one. Yeah? When you try to get out of it, that's why, that's like a form of being in it. Try it. Try to take a two-year course studying, studying about the obsession with self. That's obsession with self. Yeah? There's no way self's going to get out of self. A mental process, a product of a mental process, cannot leave the process that's making it. Yeah? It's an appearance. It has no, rea- none, no reality whatsoever. Yeah? <coughs> self can't get out of self. So when people are like, they want to have the experience of their own absence, and that's why they keep saying, I haven't gotten it yet, you're never going to get it. It's not for the getting. Yeah? It's just seeing that something that you're not, then something will inform you, or you'll find out about it. But you can't turn around and find it, because you are that. Yeah? All the best you need to do is say, hey... Maybe I'm not that. That's what happened with me with uh, addiction. The whole dilemma in addiction is you take yourself to be a self. Yeah? Now, when you're trying to get out of self, it can't happen. So when you enjoy, when you entertain freedom, you entertain freedom as a self. That's not going to lead to freedom. You entertain peace for the self. It's not going to be peace. Yeah? But when I entertain finally, hey, I may not be that, the next thing my mind could do was, hey, I can be free of it. Immediately. It was like a pregnant ability to entertain that was never unleashed because I was identified as the self. I couldn't entertain being free of it. That's why when people kill themselves, they rarely shoot themselves in the elbow. They usually shoot themselves in the head because they want freedom from it, but they can't entertain that there's something other than it. So finally, it brings them to a point of blowing their brains out. Yes? But as soon as you get entertained, hey, I may not be that, that's that. There's no stopping mind. All it needed was the one little key. You know how mind can entertain? Let's say I was sitting here with long pants. I remember when I was a kid, I went to school one day, 11 years old, and a pretty woman said, not a woman, a girl, a girl said hello to me, and I went home and wondered what she meant by it for five hours. <laughs> I just entertained every possibility I could come up with in self-centeredness what it meant. I swear to God, over and over again. You know, this is what it does. It's defined, its ability to entertain is defined by the system it's captured in. If it's in self-centeredness, when it entertains being okay, it's I will be okay, or I was okay. Yes? Then the will be okay. See, the entertaining of being okay is so fucking cool. But the entertaining of I was okay and will be okay produces anxiety because you're not seemingly okay. Yeah? Yeah. See it. 
Your desire for freedom, when captured by the self-centeredness, is going to be a form of slavery. They should start like uh, anonymous meetings for self for spiritual seekers. They should. They should have rehabs for spiritual seekers. I mean, after 20 years, you got to go to rehab. And if you've been seeking for 20 years and you haven't found it by then, you got to go in. 28-day program yeah? with a big follow-up. That means no retreats the next year. <laughs> no tickets to India to go to the special cave. Yeah? <laughs> when I first started doing the talks, it was just in recovery. And so the talk would come out because they're, they are really suffering. So when I started going to other people, I wasn't really compelled to say anything. I thought they were fine, but it only took me a little time to realize how sick you are. <laughs> I started seeing, Jesus, they got, oh, it happened to me. I had to go to a retreat, and I got really sick, and I announced that I think I'm allergic to spiritual seeking because I got, I got so sick just walking in the room. That thing is seeking. Yes? The seeking is no problem, but when it reflects the seeker, that's the dilemma. Okay? As soon as a verb construes a, 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 a pseudo-noun, that's the self Yes? People call me, and you know, because they've been listening, and they go, oh, I've been selfing all day. So now, they've heard something. Before, they were just on the consequential level. They were like living in the you know the hallway of shitting fans, and you know they try to learn ways to wipe the shit off their face faster. You know what I mean? Skillful means. And then, really then they get a little bit of uh, understanding. So now they see some of the self thing, yes. But now they believe it's it's I'm doing it. So this part of selfing they don't see it bounces up as a noun, yes. So now they're the one that are do is doing the selfing, or the selfing is driving them crazy. That's selfing. Yeah? And then when you see this, and there's a feeling of being you seeing this, that's selfing. Yeah? Selfing is finite. If you follow it, yeah, and let it be a verb, all the way it leads to a pause. A pause. A eternal moment in time. Yeah? Or like the mirror to see your original face. Space. Nothing. Yeah? That pause is not finite. This whole idea of selfing and this noun always popping up is that is when you feel like a self, you're on step five. The mental process has already completed a mission. It's just going to fuck with you from now on. You know what I mean? It's not working on you anymore. You're totally set up for its interactive game. I'm the doer. I'm the haver. I'm this and that. Yes. <laughs> well, when, if you have a strong feeling of that and you believe it's you, you're on game. You're on square five. <laughs> you better get help. <laughs> but this is the point: is if I'm not that, you'll see you never left the the zero. You know, to me, nothing is like the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, the nothing, the no thingness. Your mind will rest there, watching and seeing all these appearances, the expressions. But never, never being losing its own engagement by being engaged with that. Yes? And for me, it just translates into traveling later, like on a, on a constant level. And when that started happening, all the seeking went away because that's what I was really looking for. 
Yeah, all I wanted is some contentment. I wanted an unconditional contentment. I didn't want it to be anywhere I had to travel to or any person I had to pay money, unfortunately, here to see. I didn't want any of those requirements. I wanted to be always available at all times, right where I was. Yeah. So in a sense, I am the seeing of what I'm not. You're never, the seeing is never going to see the seeing. It's not going to happen. But it will see what's happening. Yes? And when you take yourself not to be the fandom subject, then the seeing is what I am. Yes? I'm the seeing of that. And it's seamless. It didn't begin anywhere. It's not going to end anywhere. Yeah? There's no point where you enter it, and there's no point you can leave it. There's no beginning to it. There's no end. It's sort of everywhere, so there's no center. So you can't be at any distance from it. Yeah? And it's already completed. It's not in the business of becoming better. It's not in the business of achieving other heights. It's already so. All heights are held in it. Yeah? It has the peace that passeth understanding because there's no agitation in it. It's not trying to become or unbecome. It just is. That's a damn good influence on one. If your mind can reflect that instead of the selfing, then the mind will mimic what it's reflecting and it will be at peace, just like it's mimicking what it's reflecting now, which is producing agitation. How is agitation going to arrive at peace? If it did, it would flitter right away. If, you're into, if your mind is constructed in time, and you better believe the thought system pictures you as a body. Yeah? When you think about you in the future, how are you thought about? You're pictured as a body. Yeah? You couldn't, your attention wouldn't even go into the past or future unless there was a picture of you as a body. It would have no interest in what's not happening. The only thing that sucks it into that little mental realm is it's about you. Yeah? Every time I think about, every time I rem- the past is remembered, I'm remembered. Every time the future is thought about, I'm remembered. Yeah? The Paul gets remembered. It can't be so it's remembered, yes? It has to constantly be remembered to seem to appear to be so. There are so many gaps, there's so many free samples but not for you to see. So you hear the sound, but then you can hear the silence that allows that sound to be heard, yes? There's only everything because of nothing. It's like how many times have you gone to movies How many times, and how many times have you clapped for the screen? Yeah? The screen that allowed all the movies to appear. How much attention goes to that? Just just like right now, the sky. The sky is not getting wet. Only a thing gets wet. The earth, yes? If a bird takes a shit in the sky, it never sticks on the sky, does it? <laughs> it always finally, you know, fall, you know, falls on your car, usually. Yes. <laughs> They're amazing how they can... Yeah. And if, if you see a plane flying through the sky, it never runs into a chunk of sky, does it? It doesn't have to veer off, does it? Yet the sky is like our mind, open and clear, allowing everything to appear in it, but not being influenced by whatever appears in it. 
you can have Fourth of July explosions and the sky is never opened. It just embraces, opens. Everything can show up and disappear in it and it's not moved. That's like mine. And the faith of mind is just that. Whatever shows up to a sort of t- sort of t- attract your attention, even if the attention moves, even if the thought moves towards that, it's not you. Yeah, you're just the seeing of it. There's not a point where all these pseudo nouns pop up and suddenly the authentic no one does. There's no authentic you. <laughs> I don't see it. <laughs> Every time I had that assumption it was the authentic you, it's crazy that the lens, the aperture opened more, right? So here I was, the consequential level of the mind, and have always I was behind it, yes? And then the mind started opening up, but it didn't just open up, it opened up and there was sort of a movement kept opening up and then after a while I was totally in front of it. <laughs> and every time the mind tried to put up a phantom fence post, it went <laughs> and after about six seven fence posts I got it. <laughs> There's no authentic self. <laughs> the lens can no matter where the mind tries to stake a claim, the lens just opens up farther. Yeah? Content will never take over context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get to be at peace with how you're appearing, because it's not you. You stop being an urban renewal project. You know what I mean? If it was you, if it was truly you, you better be trying to change. Yeah. Really, that's how my, I viewed it. If it was really me, this needs a lot of work. Yeah, I do. I need a living therapist, basically. <laughs> I need a lot of work. And it was never going to be ended. It was always going to be an urban renewal project. But when I entertained, finally, it's not me, the construction site was closed. The work is well sent on vacation. Yeah? And then the space just appeared to be real space again. All the plants and shit grew back. And seeing isn't just this, yeah? Seeing is, let's say there's 8 billion people. If there was 50 billion people, they would all be still conscious, yeah? If there was 100 billion people, they'd still all be still conscious. The consciousness is infinitely, you know, it doesn't have a quantity. If there was 8 zillion conductors of consciousness, there would be 8 zillion conductors of consciousness, yeah? The consciousness isn't going to run out, (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like an infinite field. And when your mind moves, just in a slight calibration from life's happening to me to life's happening, just a simple drop of a mind in maybe three areas. Thoughts, problems, and especially relationships. (laughs) I might have a, a lot of fun with a girl, 
And then one night, she would be deemed my girlfriend. And then I thought I had the right to go in our internet and check her email because she's my girlfriend. I, I have a permanent parking space in front of her house because i got to keep an eye on my girlfriend. The mind changes everything. Not the thoughts, it's the mind. The mind is what allows the meaning to be given to the thought. The thought isn't bringing you a meaning. The thought is the vehicle for the meaning of the conditional mind to be brought to it, yes? So it appears that something is happening to it. So it can get another reflection that it is a someone. But it's just like the Course would say, projection first, then perception. It's all mind projecting. We're all the dreamer of the dream, yet we forgot we're the dreaming it, and we've given everything we've dreamt all the power to affect us. Yeah? We're the dreamer of the dream. We forgot that we're dreaming it, and we've given everything we dreamt all the power to affect us. What's one to do with that information? Nothing. It will do something in and of itself. You've heard it. You. It's like uh, you've been served the spiritual subpoena already. It's done deal. You got to go to court. The court of light, <laughs> where all the other mental convictions are annulled. Beautiful, I swear. You'll be left off the. You'll be let off the biggest hook, and that's your own hook. Your own mind's fucking obsession with itself. Yeah. And then it's revelatory because you can never know it. As soon as you think you know it, it's like a butterfly. It flitters away. If the I don't know is the state, it's revelatory because you can't know it, but you find out. It intimates itself in your own living. It intimates itself in living. You start recognizing its choreography. You start seeing its signature on all the checks out there. There's an intimation. You can't know the tree, but you know it, in a sense, by the fruit. Yeah? And for me, the, re- the appropriate reaction is just an honoring. Yeah? And that wonder and awe you thought was only when you were a kid becomes available again. You know, kids, you know, like if you're a baby, you have a baby, and you just go, whoop, you could do it 30 times, you know, and they're all, ah, like surprise. Or a Labrador, take it to the beach, you're there all day. It's, it's, it's tails wagging just as heavily as the first one or the 800 one. <laughs> but us, one thing, oh, I know that. <laughs> Fuck, that's boring. I've seen that before. It's incredible, isn't it? <laughs> what happened? What did we outgrow and what did we grow into? I would say we grew into a mental condition. Yes? And then the quote-unquote spiritual condition was forgotten. This is all about and, and the, what keeps the mental condition, the primary condition, is that you take yourself to be an idea of the mind. The the idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity places that mental condition over the heaven condition, over the spiritual condition. It plays God. It plays God with God. It plays God with you. It plays God with everything. Yes? This is about diminishing that mental condition because if it's not about me, I lose interest in it. Yeah. If you came over my house tonight, please don't. I don't live here. Yeah. Come on, I want to talk to you now. If you came over and you were talking to me about, you're really feeling bummed out, really about what's not happening. You know, you're thinking something's going to happen. You know, I'm going to have cancer. But do you have it? But I'm going to have cancer. You know, I would be bored in like five seconds. I'd be like, fuck. 
I don't see anything. I'd rather I'll do my laundry instead of talk to you. But the same stuff running in my head held as it's about me. I've been listening to it for 40 fucking years. <laughs> like it's the Greek oracle. <laughs> oh, great one. Tell me what, what is it going to be like for me? <laughs> <laughs> and if you sat next to me totally flipping out, it wouldn't leap onto me. I'd have an immunity to it because I would see, hey, it's not me. That's what it's like. You start seeing the mental process as not you, and you lose interest in it. And you can't lose interest, you just lose interest in it. You don't run out. Do you ever run out of attention? Did you spend all your attention by Thursday, and now you've been a very, like an obliviated weekend? And then, all right, download, I got my attention. Spend it wisely. No, it's like an infinite source, isn't it? Tons of attention, tons of interest. But what happens is what it's put on. If the mind takes itself to be this idea of being a self, your attention and interest is going to be on that or whatever indicates that, which is everything that's been claimed. My feelings, my thoughts, my problems, my kids, my this or my that. They're all going to use, be used like that old Zen thing. They're going to be fingers pointing at the moon. Yeah? You're going to see the finger, you won't see the moon. You never see the moon. All you get is the inference, yeah? When something happens, there must have been someone who did it. <laughs> feeling? What the hell is that? My feeling. Oh, now. Now I know, yes? It's always being used to point at an imaginary moon, yes? The moon's light is coming from the sun. It doesn't have a source of its own, Yeah? When the moon drops out, it's not you're not going to lack light. The big light's going to appear. A sun is going to appear. And then the solar system, the pseudo-moon taking itself to be the sun drops out, and then things start aligning in a different way. My thoughts like this, thoughts much wider. Yes? Feelings like this, feelings much wider. Life's happening, life's happening to me. Much different. Yeah? It's just a view that leads to a vision. You entertain the view and it leads to the vision. That's faith mind. Your mind... Can you imagine like that thing I was saying? You know, my pants are too long so my mind's just sitting here thinking, did anyone notice I should have got that hem done and this and that. On and on, entertaining this stuff. It's like having a marathon runner in a closet. Yeah? This is when you release the mind and it starts have free ranging. It can go. It leaves this preoccupation with you and starts exploring. And that same attention and interest that's driving you crazy now starts enriching one's life. It's the same interest and attention. The same attention, if it's resting in, quote-unquote, the truth, is called abidance. If it's resting in the mental system, it's called obsession. It's the same attention. Yeah? It just p- appears by the vehicle it's in. What it, what it lands on is going to demonstrate what it's going to express. And I believe truly, when the attention is freed from this attention to this mental thing, it goes to its source, which is of no thing. It goes back from whence it comes, which is no thingness. Attention is not a thing. You can't quantify it. You can't capture it. Yes. It's more of no thing than anything. It goes back there. And when it goes there, it comes back with that rest it finds. Yeah. 
Any questions? Yeah. Yes? All right. Now, um, if I was, well, if I was dumb enough to go out and do something illegal, I'd have to accept responsibility for that because I would be the doer of that. So, like, one thing, I went to these places waking down, and they say, well, you're the doer, but you're not the doer. There's, like, in duality. So, if I'm not the doer, who is the doer? Why don't you ask that question? But don't look for an answer. Ah, nothing necessary there. And that's so common. Well, when you were asking the question, you were looking for an answer. If yes, you ask the right. same question but not look for an answer... Yeah, that, that's nice. It's nice. Yes. It's good. It feels good in there. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because when you ask your question and you want an answer, you want to give form to no thing. You want to make it something. Yeah? That's what we do. Why do you ever hear, read Hinduism? You know, the yeah. first thing is what mind does. It gives name and form to everything. So... <laughs> The name and form a question gives in the mental condition is an answer. Yeah, it's looking for an answer. That's why it misses everything. It's not meant to be answers. It's meant to be experienced. Aha! Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. See, if you learn, in a sense, about what you're not, it distills into that one thing, I'm not that. Yeah? To me, that's the end of it. There's nothing else you can find. It becomes like the last answer. Yeah? See, if you're going to go on a trip to Omaha, but you don't know where you're starting from, no maps are going to help you. Are they? No. <laughs> you have to know where you are to know where you're going to go. Right? There's one thing I said and they use it on Facebook, you know. Only people who are going somewhere can be lost. <laughs> really. It's true. Only people that are going somewhere can be lost. If there's nowhere to go, you can't be lost. <laughs> it's a done deal. It becomes like an adventure. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's say in, being, in, in conditionality and seeking, it has to have a meaning. You know, Everything must lend itself to another thing. But in that sense of being, it's just for an expression, yeah. So instead of doing and trying to do and have yourself into a state, you know what you are, and then doing and having becomes a form of expressing that. Yeah? It's a different movement. Yeah? It's a similar movement, but it, the intent is totally different. Yeah? The whole point with me, traveling later, is the effect. And I would say everyone in this room, on one level or another, is that's what they're looking for. They'd like to have an ease and comfort in their skin during the day and with in situations and things. They'd like to have a contentment that wasn't based on what I did or what I had, but on some other aspect, like maybe what you are. Yeah? So that contentment would be unconditional, so you could really rest in it because it's not gonna be uh, it's not gonna be undone, so to speak, by anything you do because it wasn't undone by, or done by anything you did. Yeah? It's wh- when you're out of the equation, things go a lot better. Yeah? Once you believe you're the achiever of something, then you can believe immediately you can lose it by stop doing something. That's not it. Yeah? That's a form of slavery to me. Literally. 
you're going to constantly keep having to go to the well because you spill all the water out when you walk better. That's a form of slavery. I've been in a form of slavery called alcoholism. I know it well. Uh, the mental misery, it's exquisite, really. The mind, because of its inert, innate clarity, the conditional mind, you ever hear someone who's in a depression, yet they describe it so clearly? Yeah. <laughs> it's mind-boggling, eh? Uh, yeah. That aspect of mind is, in a sense, being used to make things like scalpels, so you really dig in, mm-hmm. and you get into the minutiae of why you're not enough and you dig it out it's like constantly never letting a, a scab appear you just keep digging 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 yeah it's like uh, it's like giving someone a magnifying glass and anything you look at you burn basically because the sun is behind you no matter where you are mind is mind so there you are looking at something going over it the minutiae of it and you're burning it and then it's the magnification goes both ways. You're burning your fucking self. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's I know it's not a joke. Uh, I mean, so the, the seeking obsession it's it's uh, it's the same as the alcoholism you described. Uh, <coughs> it, it is just as painful and. And as, as real as uh, everything you're describing, um, yeah, um, that doesn't mean. And with all your your insights and everything that you know, I've heard from you and many teachers over the years, somehow this this self reclaims itself, you know, restakes itself. And I know. For you, and when you had the change, um, your the self tried to reclaim itself, and you had it kept opening wider. And um, <coughs> it's uh, it's it, to me it, it's sad. All I can say is it's sad uh, because uh, it, there's there's a tension and consciousness of it, and uh, addiction and. You know what? I, maybe you're doing it, but uh, look into service. You know, be available to someone other than a family member or something. It, it has an ability to take you out of self, that that obsession, and in in that, uh, you know, you'll feel more available. Right. Yeah, but that, but that, but that's. Don't put too much thought in it. Just okay. do it. What I do and I have, and you yeah. know, but you know, ultimately, what you're describing is, is I'm seeking. You know, what we're all seeking. So, um, well, if 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 you believe that, then take my advice. <laughs> do some service. Seriously, every addiction tends to put a contraction in of its offer. You know, it's like if you're addicted to coke, that's all you're thinking about. If you're addicted to you, that's all you're thinking about. So there are actions you can take. And a lot of times, the action is the best way to go. It, it should precede thought and feeling. You know, if you don't feel like it or you, don't, you feel empty, 
don't fucking analyze that, just take an action. And don't let thought lead your way, but take an action. The action will change the thoughts. It will. Yeah? I mean, that's the whole basis of recovery, is to do service. Because the, the extreme self-centeredness of alcoholism needed action. Yeah? We can't be going home and thinking about it. That fucking will spawn tons of problems. Yeah? We need to take action and help other people. And in doing so, what happens is you come out of the ass of self... Yeah, it's like a pop, right. and then you're and you're conscious of being available, and then you sense a presence. Now we call it a higher power to give it a name, but after many times of doing service and having that effect occur, one time you may take yourself to be the presence <laughs> that you're sensing, and then if you are that presence, then you're always available, and not you're not doing service anymore. You're of service. It's a totally different place, or not a place at all, yeah? Why is it that we have this story that we've left somewhere and we've experienced somewhere something other than where we are, and we call it the higher power of presence, but then we obediently go back to that place we think we came from? Why not, when that gets revealed, it seems more of you than this, why not just stay there? Let your attention rest there for a while, yeah? Hey, I may be that, yeah? that which cannot be known. You're going to happen, it's going to trigger it. When you have any release, in a way, or you have one of those big moments, you're available and you sense something. Yeah? I would say the mind is sensing itself, in a way. Why does it want to always retreat back to the old familiar, it's me seeking experience of that, when you may be that? Yeah? And if you are that, there's no need to seek an experience of it. Because it's not an experience anymore. It's beyond even a state. You're living there. You know? Not at... You're you're living. Yes? So the same thing. Man, it's a great experience if you can get a little flavor of you're not that as that. But that's all it can ever be is an experience and it will be infrequent. And the mind will use its infrequency or it's not seemingly happening now to beat the living hell out of itself. You'll have, a, you'll have that peak moment that you've been trying to get back to the rest of your life and you're just beating the living hell of the mind just beating itself with that mythical moment it once was at. That's what happens when that is claimed as an experience. But what, if, what would happen if you're that? Then you're that, you're that, you're that. No matter, it's not dependent on this and that arising. You're that. This, you're that, you're that, you're that. It echoes, it echoes, and it echoes. Yeah? Like an echo from a place that never dies. Like an unspoken yes. So you now have immunity to that which is trying to attract attention and interest. Yeah? So by, by saying, oh, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not that. No, I'm not saying that. I'm, I have to frame it with words now, but it's not a saying of it. If you see something, yeah. there's usually a hit that it's not you, right? Right. So you never see you, but you can see all the arthritic fingers pointing at it. Yeah? yeah. All the my of all the thoughts, all the feelings, all the possessions, yeah. all the time. Yeah? And you'll realize the only thing you actually see is the finger. You never see the moon. <laughs> yeah? It's just an assumption. If it's a habit of mind, it sees the finger and then it assumes there's a moon. Yeah? 
And in that assumption, it remembers that assumption. But it never sees itself. There's no proof that it's there. It's just assumed. And for that assumption to seem to be real, it has to be repeated constantly. So the mind is mying all day to keep pointing, and then the, the mind in, in that, let's say, unconscious, not unconscious, but trance-like state just agrees. Never looks back. Just, yeah, yeah. there's a me. That's me. And this is really bothering me. Because it shouldn't be like this. <laughs> I, sh- I should have better than this, whatever it riffs on, yeah? But the whole starting point is the mind. And then, yeah, I've watched it. I've seen it, yeah? I wasn't, you know, when I was shooting coke, I was up for seven to ten days for a lot of time. And I mean, I was up. I was very alert to what the head was doing. And it wasn't, it wasn't a value then, but in hindsight, it became a great value because I saw the beast from head to toe. I saw it as a production. And it's ravenous for attention. That's what it needs. That's its fuel. If the mind turns to it, it lights up. If the mind doesn't turn to it, it's as if it never fucking existed. Yeah. I find the turn, the mind was in the habit of turning to it because it thought it was it. That's all it is. Like in Buddhism, they say it's the cherishing of self. So there's a fondness the mind has for what it's made up. Yeah, it's gonna—it's sort of like you'll never walk away because when the sirens of Ulysses, oh please, when it's humble, you know, you always look back. You're stuck. He's seeing me again. Yes, it always wants you to take it with them, and it's ain't, it ain't going on this journey. So you see, that's all. And after a while, you're not that. You'll lose interest in it. Simple as that. So when it calls, you'll hear it, but you won't be listening to it. You'll have an immunity. So it won't be a major influence or player in your day. And then, by its absence, you get to know it. Jesus Christ, that was the seeming cause of all the heaviness, because now it's not there and it's light as hell. Yeah? (laughs) So, you know, it's like, here, this is a message or an invitation. That's all it is. Yeah? It's like if your car broke down on the side of the street. And so you open up the thing and you take the air filter out and there's the carburetor and you're trying to turn it and it's not catching. So you have a gas can. You get the gas can, you put a couple of drops of gas in and your friend keeps turning. The key's there, the engine's there, tires are there. Everything's available for it to go, but it's just not going. So he puts a couple of drops of gas in and you, you pump it and it starts up. Yes? That's it. If you keep pouring gas in, it floods it. You know what I mean? The mind doesn't need 800 hours of dissertation. It needs an invitation. It needs a possibility that it hasn't entertained yet. And then have faith in that mind. Once the entertainment, once the invitation has been delivered, have freaking faith. The doubt comes from the unreliability of the mental process. Mind is not unreliable. The conditional mind is totally unreliable, but we transfer the fear of, of that to the fear of mind. Faith mind. Yeah? I have total faith in mind that when it hears it, and it can entertain the possibility of, hey, I may not be that, Yeah, it can also entertain very quickly, hey, I can be free of it. Yeah? Not free as it, or for it, or by it, but from it. Yeah. 
Yes, raw mind. Raw I would mind. say the mind raw that's mind. I like that raw mind. the raw mind, the mind that's is engaged in this is in is at the aspect of conscious contact. Yes, the pure raw data of this place, yeah. consciousness and contact. Yes, the mind reflecting that, not moving the reflection into the mental process of a suddenly a phantom you arises and becomes the great doer of all things and then time becomes fucking real and all this shit occurs. And then you want to leave the stage, but you are part and parcel of the stage. You are a fixture. You're not a living thing, in a sense. You're an interpretation. You're like a pole in the stage with with the belief that it has legs and can walk off. You are not leaving the stage. Yeah. The self isn't getting out of self. That's great news. Because maybe you'll stop trying to get out of it and realize you're not in it. Bingo! The best way to get out of something is to realize you're not in it. How long would it take to get out of something you're not in? No time. There it is. No time. Timeless solution. What more do you need to do about what's not happening than recognize it's not happening. Yeah. Let's say you're worried about next week, uh, constantly obsessing over what's going to happen. But then there's a possibility, hey, that's actually not happening. What more do you need to do? If I was a therapist about what's not happening, it would be the shortest sessions. You'd come in, start talking, I'd say, that's not happening. $75, please. But I, I want 58, 59 and 30 seconds more. 59, no, no, what's not happening? That's it. That's what you came here for, right? If you see it's not happening, what's more? That, there's nothing more to do. Yes? Immunity rises immediately. Because you know what? What's not happening? Anything can happen there. You, whatever your mind can come up with, you can entertain it as a possibility. I swear, right? But then there's something else that's going on called what's happening. It doesn't have all the qualities of what's not happening, but it has one quality what's not happening doesn't have, and that is it's happening. Yeah? <laughs> this one quality can overwhelm all of those other possibilities the mind's entertaining. This one quality that this is actually coming to pass, it's actually happening right now, is enough to withstand all of that. If you have the eyes to see, it's very clear. That's not happening. There's your immunity. Yes. Yes. So, hi, I'm Susan. Um, This is wild. (laughs) And it's it's so... It's so pure and simple, but yet the mind immediately wants me to complicate it. Anyway, what, what what I wanted to say was my sister is really sick. She has cancer. She has no hair. And what she's really struggling with what I, I and I don't know how to wrap my arms around it or what to say to her except what is is she has no hair so she's in chemo she has body issues she's a woman she's a beautiful woman but she thinks she's her body she thinks she's her hair or no hair and it's it's painful to see it it's painful to see what she's doing to cover it you know she's covering it with alcohol she's covering it with you know, she wants to leave her husband and find other men, and it's very—it's fascinating to watch that process. And, and I know that it's not her; she's not her hair, she's not her body. 
you know, and this is going on with many, many people. You know, many people are sick and. Hold on to the space. My girlfriend went through chemo last year, colon cancer. She went in for colonoscopy, and they said there was a tumor there, so they had to take it out. And then sun- suddenly, this topical cancer became everywhere yeah, it's in like my everywhere. life. It's, every- it's everywhere. It was just unbelievable. Everyone we met had something to do with it, and and uh, you know she has two kids, and so she rushed right into chemo, you know. And I don't really wanted to acknowledge she had cancer, but she had chemo. And she was so afraid about losing hair, she went to Beverly Hills with this lady, and they went to this Russian guy, and he, she bought a wig, beautiful wig, which she never wore. She still has it as a, like a memorial to the, to the thing. You know what I mean? And, but she went through it, and all you can do is hold the space. Yeah? By trying to say it, you're not that and that, it just invigorates that yapping, you know? Just hold the space. She went through it and, you know, have faith that she can come through this. Yeah? You know, I, you know what hold the space means? Yes, yeah, just hold in that of space. Just sitting there and... But, yeah, it was amazing. As soon as the cancer appeared, it was... My, my whole life was inundated with cancer. Everybody, that's all... Every time she met with someone, that's all they talked about was cancer. And, you know, I went in with her and stuff like that. And, uh, and she looked bad, you know. Her hair got... She started losing patches of her hair. She's very pretty, too. And she was looking pretty ripped up, tore up. But uh, she came through with it through beautifully, and she didn't drink or use. And and, uh, and now it's almost as if it never happened, you know? That's the beauty of it. So you, If you have that sense of pause, you can hold that for people. And uh, what they're going through isn't going to go on forever, usually. And... Uh, the best thing they could use is that support of certainty that you have. Don't try to apply they should have it, because then may not be in the state to do that. But if you're feeling the certainty, then hold it, you know? Yeah. What do you mean by holding the space? Well, holding the space is you're just, in a way, sitting or standing there, and you're not adding much to what's happening by saying stuff or trying to figure things out. You're just there, you know. If they need if they need something cleaned, you pick it up or put it there. You're not telling it, you know. You're not trying to lead them anywhere. You're just holding the space, letting them be it, to be what they appear to be because they're not, actually. Yeah? If you let something that you don't want to be real, if you let it to be real, it may show its true nature, which is it's unreal. But if you're busy trying to make something unreal, it becomes as real as real to, uh, to you, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. But if you would let it, if you could allow it to let it be as real as it wants to be, it has to show its nature, which is unreal inherently. But while you're making it unreal, it's as real as real can be. Yeah, you and I have a huge play here. We have a huge role. We are giving everything the meaning it has, or we're conducting that giving. Yeah. If you can recognize that most of the meaning that you're being you're reacting to is been given from self-centeredness, if you question the center of that system, yeah, the meaning of your life and of you and of others may change dramatically. If the center of the system collapses, the system weakens. Yeah, that's why we're questioning that. I don't care if someone's worrying about next week, but I'd ask, who is it? You know, maybe find that out. Yeah. 
Because when the center weakens, then the meaning shifts. You move to another modality, and now you're reacting to all new meanings. You have new meanings about you. You have new meanings about others. You have new meanings about diseases. You have new meanings, and it's and all it is is a finding out. You find out, wow, this didn't seem this way a month ago, and now it's seeming that way because the mind is shifting. Yes, yeah. if I hold one second, let's say you were in a yogic posture. You know, this is a yoga place. Asanas, everyone knows asanas, right? So you're in the yoga, you're yogic, the asana of self-centeredness. It's a, it's a giant school of yoga with one posture, self-centeredness, right? <laughs> so you're like this your whole life, and when anything gets offered, it's taken into this form, yeah, this structure. So it can only make, make sense when it, it fits this, yeah? This message is, hey, you may not be that, and it causes it allows the mind to entertain a possibility and it comes out of the yogic posture of self centeredness Yeah? It entertains Jesus. This is just a position. It's not me. This is just a system of thought. It's not me. It opens up. Yeah. You know, when you feel big and expansive, that's just mind like stretching out. Yeah. <laughs> let, let it stretch out. Yes. Um, I'm Bridget. Um, I was, I've studied the course for over 20 years now. Last year, <coughs> my mom came down with stage four um, lung cancer. And um, I thought, oh, this is going to be interesting for me to not participate in or just hold space for her one night, my brother, who has brain damage from a motorcycle accident and still lives at home, is very close to 50. Him and my dad got in a big fight, and my dad threw a map and called the police, and like two weeks later, my mom had no more lung cancer. It was like she thought better of leaving because, this is just my interpretation of it, I thought, wow. She was holding that um, her illness, so like that was her thing, and you know, it was just her yeah, yeah. And we all, you know, we, you know, we gave her the attention and the love, of course. You know. But I think she got so afraid that my dad would not take care of my brother. And that nobody would take care of him if she died. And I think she just, like, let go of it because they couldn't find She was stage four lung cancer. And that is amazing. Yeah, so she, I think she <laughs> traded it in to, yeah. you know, keep my brother... I mean, I don't know. That's I'm. I'm a nice way to take it. Story, you know. Yeah. It was just funny to me that that happened, and she was so afraid that my dad wouldn't take my brother back in if she died. So she decided to stay around. Do you have you have five minutes more? Is that all right? Stay here five more minutes. I just want to speak about something. You know, I'm not a like big book thumper of the. Course of Miracles, but I was engaged in it for a while. And their whole idea of guilt and shame. When I was a kid, I was six years old, and I had a father. I was the youngest of four, and uh, my mother. And my father got really ill. Yeah. And uh, he couldn't participate the way he used to participate with me because he was, he was sick. He couldn't play with me anymore. So I remember my mother talking to me about it, explaining, your dad's sick. You know, dad's sick. And, and then Dr. Jan Quinto, our family doctor, came over and talked to me. 
but it didn't matter what anyone said. In my mind, in self-centeredness, I believed I must have done something to make my father not to want to play with me. Children do that. That's the whole crux of self-centeredness. Yes? That's the whole guilt they talk about in The Course in Miracles. There's a feeling of oneness and beauty and peace. We all have a, an idea that that could be so. And yet when we see it as it is, we write ourselves into I had to have something to do with it being this way. It's called that separation from God that never actually happened. And that guilt is what most of us are living through here. Yeah? This guilt, because that's like, that's like cement for the self-selfing. You get cemented to such a point where it's shame. You take it to be your own flavor, that somehow you're inherently wrong or bad. And it's, it produces such a level of obsession. You may not even recognize it, but it's such a level of obsession around that idea. And yet it not, never even happened. That's the whole message of the Course. It's not about forgiveness, it's atonement. The atonement is you realize nothing ever happened here to forgive. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. saying before if you think you're the one who's doing it in other words if you take a two year course about how to get out of self obsession that would be self obsession yes yeah, so self can never get out of self so yeah. how do you make your life your, your move later without thinking about how to actually do that that's the beauty of it that's how it happens you don't put much thought on it and it just happens See the logic? We believe that we had to put some effort into it for it to happen. This is the exact opposite. The least, in, the less interest you have on in you, the best, the better you'll do. In my case, yeah. And so it's not like I'm trying to make it that I travel lighter. The traveling lighter is a byproduct of something that occurs. My mind got recalibrated out of selfing into to something other, some other modality, and I'm just reporting what happens when that occurs, which is a, a a, a stable sense of traveling lighter. Yeah? And by that, you realize what was the source of the heaviness, because the source of the heaviness is absent, and there's the presence of the relief. Yeah, So it makes it very clear. Yeah? Like for me, you know the quote-unquote problem from the solution. That's the only way you can really know it. Yeah, When, when the problem has lost its influence, then you really start knowing it. Yeah. Then you really know it, yeah. and how what you know it as is I'm not that. That's what you know it as. That's how I know it as. Yeah. So I'm not one to because when I was out there seeking, and you know they'd have beautiful descriptions of the eternal oneness and and the ocean of bliss. The thing is, I, it's like this. All right, the message is you're a lion, not literally, but we're using that, right? You're a lion, everyone. You're a lion. You're a lion. You're a lion. You're a lion. Okay, so you hear the message. You're a lion. You're a lion. You're a lion. You're a lion. It hits these ears, and then it gets translated into, I can become like a lion. Yeah? You're a lion. You're a lion. You go to 50, 80, 200 satsangs. You heard that? You heard that? And then, oh, yeah, yeah, you totally understand it until it's claimed. Yeah? And then it becomes, I can become like a lion. 
because if there is already a prior identification, the sheep cannot entertain its alliant, it can only entertain becoming a lion. But becoming a lion as a sheep. We're just questioning the sheepness. If you're not a sheep, raw. Yeah? It's like that old Indian uh, story with the young um, lion gets abandoned. The older older lion dies and it doesn't know, it's just roaming around, doesn't know what to do, and it sees a herd of sheep, and the sheep see it as a lion as it's moving up to them, but they realize quickly it doesn't even know it's a lion. So they sort of adopt it to the herd, and now he's becoming, he's trying to become a sheep. And he's, you know, he's learning how to bah, he's not doing too well. They're straightening his mane, you know, I mean curling it, you know, like sheep, and sitting around worrying about who's going to be the next sweater next year, and like this, yeah? And, you know, he's not feeling that happy, there's a dissatisfaction there, but he's becoming a pretty good sheep, you know, and stuff like that. And it, it, it looks like he's arrived, but it's just not translating. Then one day a big old lion comes into the, in the meadow and it sees the sheep and it starts running after him to eat something. And it's, while it's running after him, it sees the young, the young lion running and it thinks, oh, this young lion's joining the hunt. But then it realizes the young lion's running away from it. So he stops chasing the sheep and he goes after the young lion. The young lion sees it, turns on its back and says, please, Mr. Lion, don't eat me, I'm a humble sheep. Now the old lion's really confused, so he just grabs the young lion, drags it over to this pond, and sticks both of their heads out. As soon as the young lion sees their reflections, it realizes it. It's a lion. Then the old guy goes, roar. It roars. It doesn't have to take three months of roaring lessons. It roars immediately because it recognized the shirt isn't pink. It recognized the the pants aren't magenta. There's a recognition. Yes? It saw it, and, that, and it, never, it never thought it was a sheep again. You see? That's the whole point. It may or may not happen, but the invitation, the repetition is triggering just that. The possibility that instead of trying to become like a lion, you realize you're not a sheep. We still have other questions? Yeah, yeah sure. So uh, I feel bad because I don't really know much about any of this. I'm kind of tourist, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's worth, good. Yeah. But, um, Let's see your visa. <laughs> so American. Just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Don't get worried. Uh, <laughs> Homeland Security. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not a seeker. I'm very secular. And, um, you know, we're talking about, I think you're right, just hearing what you have to say, and as much as I understand it, the arrogance of excessive mind, the arrogance of an excessive self, and that can lead to problems. Um, but we are minds, and so we are, in a way, we are that line. Um, when we think of ourselves, we always think of ourselves as unified things in control of our bodies. Um, I don't think you can avoid that. And by trying to do so, um, you're throwing out a lot of baby with the bathwater, and therefore you're throwing away personal responsibility. I thought that was an excellent question, but it's just, it doesn't apply to you, right? So I guess I'm looking for a more answer to that. Well, the idea of personal responsibility doesn't mean it's not accountability. Accountability is much different. Honor. I mean, there's a lot of things. There's much different accountability because like when I was (coughs) using drugs and alcohol, when you go into recovery, it's a big thing about making amends, yeah? Where you take responsibility for your past actions 
that hurt people and you go and make amends to them, you know, in whatever way you can. <coughs> and so the point is, when I was, I was extremely over-responsible when I was out there. That's why I was avoiding every responsibility, because I thought I was causing everything, yeah? When that got lifted, I became very accountable. And I went and made those amends. And when something happens now and I step on someone's toes, I usually make an amend promptly. Now, if I thought it was me, I would try to avoid that. Yeah? I, because my pride would be more important than clearing up the, the stuff with that person. I wanted it, in other words, I'd rather save my... See, the thing in recovery, you go in, they say you've got to be willing to save your ass instead of your face. But when I came in, I thought my face was my ass. Yeah. This image I have of me yeah, was stopping me from a lot of things. When I realized I wasn't that, I was totally open to clear up my past, which freed me from it. Yeah. But before that, I was overly responsible. I think when, if someone yawns in the room, I'm taking responsibility for that. Yes? When a guy, when a lady left the stands when I was at the plate, when I was in Little League, I took responsibility. She's leaving because I'm up. I had an extreme sense of responsibility, way, like you were talking about, way disproportionate. Yeah, so that, that excessive, so the only way I've really got to the point of what you would call being responsible is realizing I'm not that, yeah? Because now, because I'm not that, I can be accountable for the actions that happen, yes? Before, it would be too much for me to be accountable because I'd be admitting that I was something wrong or something bad, and that was too unbearable, Yes? Okay. So in a weird way, you get to exactly what you're talking to, but not by the same squares. Yeah? You know what I mean? You don't go from here, to A doesn't lead to B, but you get to B. Yeah? Well, see, if I sat there and I said, all right, I'm going to become more responsible, I actually want to avoid more, probably. But when I realized I wasn't that, when someone called me up and I, you know, this happened to me. I was with my friend... And uh, we went upstairs to his apartment, and I had a girl that I was trying to impress, like my first year in AA. And uh, we passed a woman coming down the stairs, an Oriental woman. And so my friend went back down to his bike, and he came back up, and he says, Hey, Paul, that my, room, my uh, neighbor wants to talk to you. So she had, like, a paint on her pants. I, I thought he had told her that I'm a house painter, and she wanted advice, right? So she came into the room, and here I am with my best friend, supposedly, and my, this girl I want to impress. And this girl goes, hello, Paul. Do you remember me? And I go, no. And she says, you owe me $500. <laughs> she had lost a lot of weight. And I didn't recognize her. But I had rented a room from her, and I took a deposit, and I spent it. <laughs> Which was what I was apt to do. <laughs> and so she called me on it. And you know what? Because I was in AA for about a year and a half, and I realized I wasn't responsible for that behavior. I, was a, I just stood there. I didn't feel anything. I said, you know what? I would have done it to anyone unless you could physically stop me. And I, saw, I gave her a check, and I sent her checks. And every time I sent her a check, I said, the only reason why you're getting this is because of recovery. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how it works, but that's how it worked with me. So, yes? so you get a little bit of flavor? You see? If, if I thought it was me that did it, I would have ran out. Yeah? I would have had a big story about that. But because it wasn't me, I could take it. I could totally take it in because it isn't me. So you like distance yourself from... Well, I didn't distance, it was distant. Because I got the principle of AA, which is, it's a disease. 
that I would do if I'm powerless over alcohol, when I'm under the influence of alcohol, I can do almost anything. Yeah? Why would I want to take responsibility for that? I'll take total accountability, but I'm not responsible. And you know what? You're taken over by a, a parasite called selfing. Yeah? It's even self-centeredness. Alcoholism is just an extreme example of self-centeredness. Most people are living from self-centeredness. That's not you. And yet it's responsible for most of the behavior that's happening here. Yeah? So let's put the responsibility on the right thing, and in that you may be accountable for those actions, but you'll be relieved of that weight of being responsible. Yeah? Yeah. I guess I just feel comfortable being a self. Well, that's good then, yeah? Until it does it, until it, when it does it, then you'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so there's a, I never knew there's a difference between accountability and responsibility, like responsibility. You, you need to respond to a particular thing, but not hold yourself blaming, blaming yourself for. Hey, th- will that be it tonight? What's that? Is that it? Any more questions? I don't know. I don't want to enter into therapy. <laughs> it's already a dangerous line. You know what I mean? Shit. <laughs> it's just an invitation, yes? Hopefully you came here with nothing, you got nothing, and you'll leave with nothing. Then I did a good job. Yes? I'm sure you'll make it something, but it will fail you, and then you'll finally relent and let it be nothing. And that's the gift that gives up, keeps on giving. Really. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you. I want to thank everyone for coming and thank you.